0: Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Strange News Daily is a production of iHeartMedia. In a world full of bizarre events, unsolved mysteries, and a billion stories from all corners of the globe, some news gets lost in the shuffle. This is your gateway to the stories on the fringe of the mainstream map. These are your dispatches in the dark. I'm Ben Bolin, and this is the Strange News Daily. Let's start with some good news for our first story today. While the media has been focused on the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, another outbreak has received relatively little media attention. In 2018, the world experienced the second largest outbreak of the Ebola virus in human history. At least 3,740 people were confirmed to be infected, and of those infected, nearly two-thirds, some 2,287 people, died of this disease. Now, that's obviously not the good news. But what is? The good news here is that the outbreak may finally have passed. June 25th marked 42 days after the last patient linked to the outbreak went home from hospital. That's two full incubation periods for this virus. And with no new health cases so far, Congo health officials and the World Health Organization have officially declared the outbreak over. Ebola, which is officially known as the Ebola virus disease, or EVB, is considered rare but extremely dangerous. The symptoms progress from dry to wet, including things like fever, aches and pains, including severe headaches, muscle and joint pain, and abdominal or stomach pain. Symptoms also include weakness and fatigue. Those are the dry symptoms. The wet symptoms include things like diarrhea, vomiting, unexplained hemorrhaging, bleeding, or bruising. And those who survive the infection can carry records of their ordeal in the form of antibodies, which remain in their system for up to a decade after recovery. This last outbreak lasted 22 months. It was the Congo's 10th fight against Ebola. Cases were largely concentrated in two areas, the North Kivu and Ituri provinces. Health officials struggled against militant groups as well as misinformation in their efforts to contain the virus. In contrast to past Ebola outbreaks, doctors already had an effective vaccine in their arsenal, and it helped curb case numbers, at least this time around. In 2019, that vaccine became the first and, at this point, the only vaccine to win approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or FDA. There were two other new treatments that also proved incredibly effective at keeping patients alive in clinical trials during the outbreak. To curb the spread of this deadly virus, local health workers traced 250,000 people who had come into contact with infected individuals. They tested 220,000 separate samples. They vaccinated 303,000 people. According to Matshidiso Moti, the regional director for Africa at WHO, Congo is now better, smarter, and faster at responding to Ebola, and this is an enduring legacy which is supporting the response to COVID-19 and other outbreaks. That legacy will be inevitably tested in the coming months, as the same local health officials continue to combat COVID-19, as well as a measles outbreak and another separate Ebola outbreak that began in a different region of the country on June 1st. Our second story today, if you're like many people, super producer Dylan and myself included, who have had your travel plans dashed by this pandemic, why not plan ahead for a new and even more exhilarating adventure? If you'd like to go to space, Russia would love to hear from you. They're officially planning to take tourists on real life spacewalks starting just a few years from now in 2023. Russia's space agency, Roscosmos has announced plans to take two tourists to the International Space Station in 2023. One of these tourists will have the chance to carry out a spacewalk. The individual who takes up this challenge will officially become the first private citizen ever to experience the infinite vacuum of open space. And they'll go down in history books as one of the pioneers of space tourism. The trip will be assisted by spacecraft manufacturer Energia. It's the prime developer for Russia's crewed spaceflight program. In recent days, the firm signed a contract with a U.S.-based company called Space Adventures. Space Adventures has previously arranged for seven private tourists to visit the ISS aboard Russian spacecraft. This company, Space Adventures, hasn't revealed the price tag for this experience yet, But experts estimate it'll fall somewhere in the tens to hundreds of millions of dollars. Not cheap seats by any means. Up until NASA launched its first rocket from U.S. soil in nearly a decade last month, NASA was paying $80 million per seat to Russia to launch its astronauts to the International Space Station. So let's say you're a prospective buyer. The process is not as simple as ponying up the cash and hopping on a space shuttle. Instead, the buyers are screened for suitability, and the chosen candidate will have to undergo six months of training at Russia's Star City complex before they ever head into orbit. They'll be accompanied on their spacewalk by a Russian cosmonaut, It'll take about 90 minutes to complete the walk, and the civilian astronaut will have to spend an extra week aboard the ISS conducting various activities related to the walk. Needless to say, this is something that no one wants to see go wrong. These companies aren't the only firms in the game for this next level of space tourism. Numerous other groups are currently hatching plans to send civilians into space. For example, SpaceX plans to take private citizens to ISS just next year. They'll be traveling aboard the Crew Dragon. That's the spacecraft you probably saw in the news. It recently launched American astronauts into space from U.S. soil. This was the first ever commercial crew program mission. The company is also hoping to take a group of tourists on a trip around the moon literally in 2023. So if everything goes according to plan, this is shaping up to be a groundbreaking year. Now let's talk Turkey. If you feel like a hundred or so million dollars is just out of your price range, that's completely reasonable, but it doesn't mean your chances of going to space have been knocked down to zero. You can go to space for a much cheaper price without all the hassle of training to be a cosmonaut or astronaut. All you have to do is hop on a space balloon. It'll take you 100,000 feet up into the stratosphere for a bargain basement admission ticket price of only $125,000, which is still admittedly a little bit more expensive than an Airbnb by the beach. Our third story today is disturbing and, as such, may not be suitable for all listeners. On June 24th, a pair of black children missing for days from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, were found by a search party of civilian residents who banded together after police had decided against issuing child abduction emergency alerts, or AMBER Alerts, for them. This unfolded against the backdrop of an alleged child sex trafficking ring. The girls' relatives suspected the children may have been abducted to be part of this ring. These girls first went missing the Sunday earlier, but according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, a police spokesperson said that the 13- and 15-year-old girls' cases had, quote, not been considered critical missing and did not meet the criteria for an Amber Alert. Local media was presenting this story as one of the police being victims of violence from civil unrest. Affiliate Fox 6 reported that seven police officers, one firefighter, were hurt in addition to at least three people being shot, not by police, following a series of fires that were set in the area. However, social media told a different story. On Facebook, a local photographer, Amanda Press, offered her own account of the case, This ultimately, and thankfully, resulted in the reported safe rescue of these girls. Press painted a picture of racist policing that worked to serve a particular agenda. She said that one of the missing girl's mothers tracked her daughter's phone to a house on North 40th Street and West Lloyd Street, and the mother alerted police about it, but the authorities reportedly never responded. This prompted a search party of civilians. Press writes, quote, a group of neighbors showed up at the house to knock on the door and look for the girls, and when they did, shots were fired at them from inside. Then the police showed up, arrested the people who were shooting from within the house, but claimed to not see any evidence of the girls there, and left the scene. Press later added that, quote, the house is connected with a known sexual predator, and it was suspected that the girls had been lured or grabbed for sex trafficking. A community activist named Vaughn L. Mays recorded several videos of this account and streamed it live on Facebook in conjunction with the Missing Person MKE account. That's a social network that was created in February, quote, because there is a clear bias and selective culture practice when it comes to issuing timely AMBER alerts and missing person reports in Milwaukee for POC, standing for persons of color. After the house was set on fire, press reports a search party of neighbors, not police, found the two missing girls along with two other missing children around 4 p.m. They were following neighbors' tips from house to house that appeared to be a, quote, straight-up sex trafficking ring. They were doing this, press writes, while dozens of police officers were on scene doing nothing but harassing and intimidating residents. Police on the scene started using tear gas and rubber bullets on angry neighbors who were doing their jobs for them. Milwaukee PD originally said it cannot confirm allegations of a sex trafficking ring and that an investigation had started. The police chief also condemned the residents who were involved in the search. Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales called it, quote, vigilantism and an unruly crowd, despite the fact that the crowd reportedly did find the girls. Morales continued saying, what you had today is vigilantism. You had people take the law into their own hands and run off on information that has not been proven. We need to investigate that. That's what the police are here for. For the record, the Department of Justice has issued guidelines for Amber Alerts, including five pieces of recommended criteria that the missing girls case seemed to fit. A community organizer named Frank Nitty calls this day a victory, saying it helped bring attention to the missing children. Milwaukee police did confirm two children who had been missing, one 13 years old and one 15 years old, had been located and are currently with their families. Police also added that during interviews, these girls denied ever being at the house in question, the one that was later set on fire, or knowing anyone who lived there. And they added there was no evidence supporting human trafficking at the house. However, at the time of this recording, numerous local activists and activists in the greater Milwaukee area are not satisfied by the official explanation. That's all for now. We've been asking you to chime in with suggestions for stories you think your fellow listeners should learn more about to hit us with your best or worst dad jokes, as well as your personal experience with COVID-19, the ongoing protests, or anything else happening in your neck of the global woods. Let us know. You can tag hashtag StrangeDaily on Twitter, or you can reach out to me directly. I'm at Ben HSW on Twitter or at Ben Bullen on Instagram. Today's joke comes from Matt W22 on Twitter. Matt writes, quote, "I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know." End quote. Oh, golf clap, Matt! I have to say, I especially enjoy the subtlety of the structure there. Thanks for writing in, and yeah, let us know which one comes first. Thanks as always to our super producer Dylan Fagan, our research associate Sam Teagarden. Most importantly thanks to you for tuning in. I'm Ben Bullen. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, stay strange.